Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the 540th edition of the Feuerstein's Fire American Soccer Show. I'm your host, Daniel Feuerstein. I'll give you American perspective of our clubs, leagues, players, national team, and other fabulous moments. Get your daily reading from me and other writers over at the Red Bull News Network. But, of course, don't forget, this is always going to be about American soccer, this live streaming show. So... Chat room is open. Come on in. Discuss amongst yourselves if you like. You have a question for me. I'll try to answer it to the best of my abilities. And it is such a wonderful relief to be back here on the air to do this show. Of course, many of you know uh, I've been uh, away, uh, not feeling great. Uh, Was in the hospital, rehab, doing a lot better now. Everything's going very well and I am back to being where I want to be. Still have some issues that I need to uh, take care of, but still, though, uh, those issues are slowly but surely going away, and I am very happy, very glad that I am back here on the air for being back here for the Feuerstein's Fire American Soccer Show for everybody. Uh, It's not fun being sick. It's not fun uh, to sit and just basically do nothing while you have to go through certain things just so you can get make sure that you get better. But once again, it was important for that to happen. And all I can say is, is that I'm very excited to be back on the air. I'm very excited to be back with everybody And I really hope that this never happens again and that I don't have to turn the show off for everyone ever again because I was really, really um, feeling very, very low and very upset that, you know, no, obviously no one wants to be injured or sick or anything like that. But the truth is, um, look... Sometimes that's life. These things happen, and you don't want it to happen, but it does. But it really was bothering me that I could not do my show. I did not have my computer on me nor my laptop. And uh, all I can say is, is that when you're sitting in the hospital or when you got to go through uh, rehab and uh, at the rehabilitation center to get back to where you know you got to do these certain things, it, it has to be because or else you're never going to get better and you're never going to go back the way uh, you were before all this stuff came at you. So that's all it really is, ladies and gentlemen. You're just trying to sit back, relax, and work as hard as you can to get back to where you are because if you don't, it's going to be um, a, a big mess, shall we say. But at this point in time, I'm glad to be back here. Yes, I was able to view some of the great moments that happened, some of the tough moments that happened, 
in soccer, not only with you with uh, American soccer, but within our region. And all I can say is, is that it is wonderful to see certain moments coming out of nowhere and just brightening uh, a wonderful time to see great, great moments with the sport in this country, especially when you're taking on Mexico. And if you think about it within the calendar and a half, we're not even at the halfway point of the year yet, but if you really think about it, three consecutive victories last year over Mexico in the CONCACAF Nations League final, winning it in extra time. Then winning the Gold Cup over Mexico again in extra time. Defeating them in Cincinnati at TQL Stadium 2-0. And even though we should have scored a goal, even though we should have won in the Azteca, that match ended in a scoreless draw and I will take that result any day of the week. A scoreless draw. I mean, yes, we should have won, obviously. Mexico didn't seem like themselves majority of the time. But the truth of the matter is this. Our national team did much better than what Eltri showed at home. In fact, I don't think El Tree's been there, been the same ever since they've not only uh, have changed these matches to avoid the smog during the day, but the constructual changes inside the Azteca as they have removed certain seating, seating sections to add more luxury boxes, probably more for not just for Mexico, for the national team, for the FMF, but for Club America as well. And I think also Toluca plays at the Estadio Azteca unless they have their own place. But once again, there have been changes at the old Dragon, the Dragon's Den, you might want to call it, or the animal, you know, the, the, uh, the horror, the monster on the mountain that is the Estadio Azteca. And you know what? Maybe Mexico, because of more financial reasons, are now shooting themselves in the foot. But at the same time, maybe this roster is also aged. Maybe this roster is now getting older. Maybe they're not showing what they used to do if they had a good mix of young players with veterans. And once again, you're seeing Mexico you know, players from the national team when they're inside their area expecting a call inside their area for penalty, I should say, actually inside the visiting area. You're seeing Mexico players diving a lot more than normal, and whether they do get it or not, they're not getting it. They're not getting those calls. The penalty hunting... The dragging of the leg is not being called because the referees are understanding now that these matches are very important. 
these World Cup qualifiers. And they're not going to allow Mexico to get the leeway they normally get because that's the only way they're going to sneak in a cheap goal is when they extend the leg out from behind so they can get tripped up or at least pretend to get tripped up. They're seeing it and they're taking care of it and it's not coming. It's not coming. And it's a wonderful thing to see. And now you have the biggest victory of them all. The first one in club competition on the international stage. And that is the CONCACAF Champions League. What the Seattle Sounders have done. And we'll talk more about that later on in the show. But let me just say this. It finally happened. And even though there are those who are saying uh, Pumas, U-N-A-M, from those that follow Liga MX are saying they didn't have much of a budget this year. They're not having a lot of great players. The coach is not working with a lot. Still, though, they made the final. They went all the way to the final. And they got the results that they needed. They got the results that they were looking for. I mean, it looked like they're going to take it away uh, at home 2-0 until the Sounders brought in two big goals through penalties. And, of course, one of them with the assistance of VAR and a big, big home second leg victory for the Sounders. At home at Lumen Field was just unbelievable and incredible. Who else, I think, but the Seattle Sounders deserve to have that championship final back at Lumen Field. And for them, just wonderful moment there. Not just for them. You know, obviously it is for them because they did win the championship for themselves and for the city of Seattle. But finally, you can say American soccer has arrived on the club international stage. It has finally arrived for all of us to see. For all of us to finally say, that's correct, Mexico. Now we got you. And all we need is to advance even more for future Champions League tournaments. I know MLS, FMF is wondering about the League's Cup for next year. But I'm telling you right now, even though that's looking more and more to be an official tournament starting next season, I believe, and it's going to stop a full month of the league season for us in MLS, still feel the League's Cup as legitimate as it's going to be now because there's going to be more tournaments against MLS versus Liga MX. I I just still feel that this is CONCACAF's job to allow a secondary tournament in CONCACAF to make this happen. Like the Europa League, the Europa Conference League in Europe, just like 
You have the Champions League there. In Conmebol, in, in South America, you have the Copa Libertadores, which is the main tournament. And then you have the secondary tournament, which is the Copa Sudamericana. That's what I need to see to involve MLS versus Liga MX and other clubs that will qualify CAF League. But there's no American clubs. There's no Liga MX clubs to be a part of that. That's more for qualification to the Champions League. One more time coming before we get to the bigger extended tournament that will begin in about a year or two time. And I cannot wait for that to happen. Cannot wait for that to happen. It should be a lot of fun. But obviously, we need to have CONCACAF add another tournament during Champions League. Maybe another CONCACAF League of some sort. Or keep the CONCACAF League and have it as a secondary tournament involving including American clubs and Liga MX clubs with the rest of the Confederation. That's just how I see it. That's just how I think it should be. And that's how I think we need to have to make it legitimate. We already have Canadian Premier League teams involved in this, like Forge FC, qualifying for the tournament, which is what they did, even though they were one and done uh, in the round of 16, or at least in the two matches that they had to play. But once again, CONCACAF League, if it does remain, we need it to have another MLS club or two, another Liga MX club or two, to make it more legitimate, I think, in my opinion, and not worry so much about what League's Cup will do. But once again, this is just my opinion, and this is how I feel about when we get back if CONCACAF League will remain and maybe have a different format for the future. If not, then obviously it's going to be uh, all gone, and then we uh, have the way that things are going to be done with, with the Champions League and the extension of that Champions League. No uh, group stage, but that's okay. I guess this is what uh, CONCACAF was looking for, and it's just a situation where... They are just going to find a way to uh, get themselves ready to go and forward. But I am back. Tonight is a rewind show as we get ready to talk about those moments that uh, I missed. And I want to get back to them as fast as possible. And why not talk about what happened on Sunday, March 27th at BMO Field because that afternoon in Toronto, Ontario, in Canada, Canada soccer, every Canadian uh, fan, player, member of Canada soccer finally got their wish after 36 years. After 36 years of not qualifying for the final round 
It didn't take a hex. It took an octagonal to do it. And that, my friends, is Canada qualifying and becoming the first national team in this qualifying cycle to do so to qualify for the World Cup. Joining me right now, formerly the host of the Red Card Show. He's with York United now as a member of that club at the Canadian Premier League. Uh, he is the community, the community engagement man, the head of community engagement and lead domestic scout, Anthony Totera. And hopefully we can get Dwayne Rollins from the 24th Minute blog, as well as Soccer Today show on the Sports Podcasting Network. But Anthony, I know you were choked up on my show, on the on the post-match show, but I got to tell you, I got to hear your words. Go for it. Well, first of all, Daniel, great to be back on your show, but let's take care of some important business before we get going here. How are you feeling? How are you doing uh, with your health? To uh, close to 100%, I feel like my old self, and everything's going fantastic. That's great to hear. I love to hear that. I really love to hear that. And uh, I'll share with you a little insight before we get going into talking about my passion, my energy, my everything, Canada's men's national team getting to the World Cup. Uh, Just recently, unfortunately, I've decided to move on and resign from York United, and I've got another exciting, very exciting project that will be announced very, very shortly in the great country of Canada soon. So have a watch for that. But uh, let's talk about Canada, an amazing, amazing moment uh, to experience with my two sons in their 20s. Um, it's something that I'll never, ever forget the rest of my life. Uh, you know, taking care of business against the U.S. on home soil, I thought, was the cherry on top of the Sunday. But that game, being there in person, watching it unfold was uh, unbelievable. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you something, Daniel. I was invited um, and asked to come watch the game in a box with some very, very, very important uh, people. Um, and I was asked to come and enjoy the moment with them, and I declined, and they were shocked. And I said, I want to be with the Voyagers. I want to be with the real supporters in the stands. I want to feel it. I want to enjoy it instead of being in a box. And it was amazing. Probably the coldest day of my life that I've ever felt with the the, the the wind and the bone-chilling temperatures, but it was all worth it. It was surreal. It was, um, you saw how emotional I got the last time I was on your show when we beat the U.S., because again, let, let's put the cards on the table. The U.S. has been, along with Mexico, the two kings of CONCACAF, and to knock them both off was extraordinary. It really was, and you know, I have to say, um, John Herdman, has done a fantastic job with this national team, with these players, and how he was able to get them, I wouldn't just say to be on the same page that he was in his belief, but I also got to say, Anthony, how they were motivated, how they really wanted to be not just the next national team, not just to break that, that goose egg, but to show the rest of the world that Canada is an up-and-coming football power. 
You know, Daniel, I have to eat some humble pie, and I've done this since Canada's qualified for the World Cup when it comes to uh, John Hurdman. And the day that he got hired, I was on record on my show way back in the Canadian Premier League. I made it known to everyone that I didn't agree with this hiring. I thought it was not the right hiring at the right time, and I admitted uh, openly when they qualified for the World Cup after Jamaica that you know what, I'm not at all ashamed to admit that I was wrong. And I'm glad I was wrong. And he has proven many wrong because he's been a great communicator. He has been a guy that has gotten the most out of these players. He has also lucked into the, as we like to call it, the golden generation of Canadian footballers. But he's also got guys to buy into his program, to buy into that vision, that dream, which now is a reality. So... No, credit to John Herdman. Uh, I, I, I got to give it to him. I was not sold when he first got hired. I, I thought it was not the right choice. But now, how can you argue? Exactly. Now let's bring over our good friend, of course, uh, 24th Minute Blog, co-host with Kevin Laramie on Soccer Today, part of the Sports Podcasting Network, and occasionally on the CBC Sports Department, and that's our good friend Dwayne Rollins. And, Dwayne, yes, I did see you on uh, the YouTube being interviewed uh, by CBC Sports Anchors about Canada's World Cup qualification uh, trek. And, you know, Dwayne, I'm very happy for you as well. I know how much, just like Anthony is, how much you were hoping, praying, see Canada going through this run, going through the motions, breaking each and every jinx that came Canada's way. And here they are. In your words, my friend, tell my audience how you felt when it finally happened. I guess we don't have Dwayne at the moment, so that's fine. Uh, so we'll just wait for Dwayne to come back whenever he's ready. Um, but Anthony, let's just talk about this trek. And I and I I had to I had to basically take a look and once again I, I had to take a look at the matches and usually when it comes to qualifying through CONCACAF we all know it's a tough stretch it's a tough road we all know that it doesn't matter how it's set up whether it's through two legs group stage however you want to do it single leg now that's that's been going on because of the pandemic and whatever but never ever have I seen a, a national team as good as Canada has been, I've never seen a national team go from the opening round of qualifying and trekking through the second round and through the final round, and we all know how much that's a slop, qualify all the way from the opening match all the way through and go to the World Cup. This is how amazed I am from Can you know, when when I see Canada going through all of this and finding the way to qualify from the first match of the first round. Yeah. You know, Daniel, what stands out to me out of this group and this, this journey is these young men were not afraid to face the Mexicans, the U S the Jamaicans, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. This was different this time around. They weren't afraid to go in El Salvador. They weren't afraid to play the U.S. on their home soil 
or the Mexicans at their famous stadium in front of their fans. They were ready. They were embracing the moment. They wanted to make sure to let the country know that this time it would be different for many reasons. Um, The quality and the quantity of quality of young players that Canada has right now, it's safe to say that I don't think that the U.S. or Mexico has that in the pipeline right now. There, There are other players that the U.S. and Mexico have no idea, no clue about what's coming up the pipe uh, line through Canada right now. I mean, it's just the start. It is just the start. And so I think this was a special, special journey that they were on. They believed in one another as a group. They fought for one another. They played for one another. They got along for one, with one another. You, you never heard of any friction in the camp from the first game all the way to the last game. You never heard of uh, a mentality, well, we're just going in there looking for a draw against the U.S. and the Mexicans. No, they were going in there to win. And let's be honest, if you watch the game against the U.S., especially in the second half, Canada had the better chances. And, and, and I think actually should have came away with a, a win. Uh, against Mexico, they went toe-to-toe, and they didn't look out of place at all. Um, so to me, it's, it's something that I think this is the blueprint for all other young Canadian uh, men to watch as they're growing up to say, this is how it's done when you go to El Salvador, this is how it's done when you go to Honduras, et cetera, et cetera. Like, I don't think in the next 15 to 20 years that any young America, uh, any young Canadian uh, player is going to be afraid about going to play a game in Mexico, the U.S., uh, or anywhere for that matter. Uh, and I think the only one that really gave them any challenge and gave them any problem, to be honest about it, uh, was Costa Rica. Uh, they played them tough toe-to-toe, home and away. They really did. No, they really did. And, you know, I have to say, and you're right, because all we knew here in the States was uh, – you know, Alfonso Davies. And Alfonso Davies, within his own right, what a talent that uh, Canada has produced. Started off in uh, Edmonton, obviously, uh, through youth soccer camps and stuff. Was uh, signed to a deal with the Vancouver Whitecaps, purchased by Bayern Munich. Uh, and, and the amazing goal he scored against Panama where he somehow saved that ball from going all the way over the far side touchline, just rumbled towards the goal, found a way to deke the keeper, and he buried it inside the net. I mean, that is something I will never forget. And thankfully, with, you know, here in the States, obviously with streaming now, you know, with Paramount Plus here in the States, I don't know if you get it over in Canada as well, but through CBS Sports, just to see that goal happen, to see those games happen, to see what Jonathan David has done for Lil, you know, over in French League on, and then up and coming players. I mean, Alistair Johnston, Johnson, who no one expected him to do anything for the national team. I don't think anyone expected him to be on the national team. Period. And look what he does against Mexico, but he sets up Kyle Lawrence's first goal over in Edmonton and wow. Commonwealth Stadium. I mean, I mean, what he has done, not only as defensive player, midfielder, bringing up the ball, setting up an opportunity where, you know, you just, maybe it's going for goal. Maybe it's like for a little bit that there will be a juicy rebound for my striker to bury it inside the net. And that's what happened. I mean, to see 
the old guard mixing in with the new guard and everyone on the same page was just amazing to watch. And I'll admit to this. I agree with you. I thought sacking uh, Octavio Zambrano after the Gold Cup before this run started was probably the worst mistake that the, that the Canadian Soccer Association ever made. And then here comes John Herdman as they bring him in. And then, and in my book, it all started with the 2-0 victory over the U.S. men's national team at BMO Field in the group stage of the Nations League. And I just said to myself, I think Herdman might be the guy that Canada's needed. And I'll never forget sitting right behind Greg Berhalter on that game, like literally two rows away. And we were absolutely on him, on his team. And he looked like, and he turned around and looked a number of times at us. And he's like, okay, Canada this time around is not going to be uh, a walk in the park. It's not going to be something that has happened for many, many years where we just take care of business like you, other U.S. teams have. He, you could see that genuine look in his face that he knew this time it, it was business and Canada was getting ready uh, for the World Cup qualification and we saw what they did. I got to tell you something about Alistair Johnson and Kamal Miller, both playing with Montreal now. I was fortunate enough to watch my youngest son who trained daily with both of them. Daily. I mean, literally five, six days a week up in the north part of Toronto. And the training regiment and, and the mentality of Kamal and Alistair was all business all the time when they came to training. To training. They never took a night off of training or a scrimmage or a game for that matter. And, and just watching my son, and now that we can smile, we look back, we can say, hey, you had an opportunity to train and scrimmage with two national team players. Actually, three if we go way back. He trained a bit with Mark Anthony Kay as well, so he was lucky. But he just smiles, and I smile, and, and, and I still communicate with a number of the players and just so happy for them because they put in the work. They put in the work. And, look, I'll say something to you, Daniel, and I said this to you last time. I think sometimes the American supporters are way too hard on some of their own. I think that they expect um, too much sometimes out of some players. Um, you know, and I think they need to really step back and say, hey, maybe some of these other nations in CONCACAF have caught up to us, and maybe we just got to look at that and say, hey, Canada – and, and and Costa Rica and some other nations now are the real deal, and it's going to be like this for a long time. Because, look, I can go way back following the U.S. at nine, in the 90 World Cup in Italy, and then at home in 94, and then on and on and on. They were always, always the talk of CONCACAF with Mexico. And so sometimes when I'm listening to uh, American uh, you know shows and, and reading blogs and talking. Like, I, I follow all the big guys, and I've known them for years, whether it's a, a Jeffrey Carlisle, a good friend of mine of, of ESPN, or Kevin Baxter, LA Times, all these guys, right? Uh, and, and I think sometimes you got to understand that there's different cycles, right? I mean, I talked to you about last time about a Bradley or an Altador, a veteran type, and I still believe this, Daniel. You lack that veteran type of guy you need to bring with you. Canada has it, right right in between the pipes there, as we call it, uh, with Milan. I mean, he's up there in years, but he is a born leader, full stop. Him and Stephen Vittoria, 
right? Because they, they, they yep. understand now. They've been through it before. Atiba Hutchinson, a warrior. There, there are three guys in their in their thirties. Two of them in their in their mid thirties and up. And that's what I think. I know we're talking about Canada. That's where I think the U.S. really needs serious stock of taking a veteran or two to come there to calm things down and to get the best out of other players. Too much spotlight is put on your boy Christian. He's a wonderful player, but I think too much pressure, too much spotlight's put on the poor guy. And I mean, um, um, it escapes my mind who plays with Juve, uh, McKechnie, uh, or not McKechnie. McKenney. So the boy, Weston McKenney. McKenney, McKenney, yeah, from Juve. That player, to me, is a star in CONCACAF. He is your most complete player. Ever since playing in Italy, he has become your complete leader. Right? So, I, yep. like I said, I know we're talking about Canada, but your show is in the USA. And I think sometimes you guys really got to take stock and look back and, and stand back and say, yeah, you know, we got something good here. Maybe we got to stop throwing the knives and, and look at some different things here. Right? Like I said. Maybe Bradley isn't the guy to take. Maybe Altador isn't the guy to take. I don't know. But you need to bring someone to help these young guys. No, I'm not I'm not disagreeing with you. I've had that same argument uh, with some of my colleagues that we've talked about. Maybe it is time to bring in a veteran. Maybe they have to bring in someone to you know calm them down. You know, probably give John Brooks that opportunity to come back to the back line and be, you know, or if you're not going to use Michael Bradley during the match, at least you have him on the bench. At least you have Michael Bradley. If you're not going to use him, you have him as a veteran presence to say at least, hey, look, got to calm it down, got to go out there, stick to the game plan, and see what's going to happen. And I agree with you. I think a lack of a veteran leader, or at least a veteran presence, did them in a little bit here and there in some of these qualifiers. But once again, um, I will go with the latter, and I'll say I think Burhalter, uh has made some poor decisions with the starting eleven. And only when he has to make a change at halftime is when he saves himself. But other than that, I just think that Berhalter uh, has um, outthought himself in some of these games. But, you know, I want to talk to you about now with the rest of this confederation. Canada is now stepped into completing the North Zone, which is what I've always been wanting for a long time. Yes, Mexico, USA are always going to be the two kings, but to have Canada now being involved and completing the North Zone trifecta, I really feel now that hopefully with a couple more Central American teams also stepping up outside of Costa Rica and Panama, that this is going to get better. We all know the Caribbean's a crapshoot especially with Trinidad and Tobago, with how they used to be back in the day. Now they're just a shell of their former selves. Jamaica is like the biggest yo-yo you've ever seen. One minute they're hot, next minute they're cold, next minute they're hot, next minute they're cold. Curacao, and I know Canada has their head coach who brought them into uh, the spotlight really big. Now, of course, I forget his name, but you have him on the Canadian men's uh, coaching staff with John Herdman. But still, though, You'd like to see a couple more Caribbean sides stepping up and really make this confederation into a big power. Not saying they're going to knock off UEFA. Never going to say they're going to knock off Ball. Obviously, maybe they'll be third. Maybe they can edge Africa. Yep. Yeah, sorry. I'm going to stop you there. You call me crazy, but I've done a number of shows after the qualification in Canada. 
and Mexico and USA. I believe in my heart of hearts that one of the three, Canada, Mexico, or USA, will get to a final eight in this World Cup. That's that's my oh, yeah. prediction. I really I really believe that one of the three will get to a final eight. That's number one. And on top of that, I truly believe this. Call me crazy, but in 2026, one of those three will make it to the semifinal. I don't know which three. I don't know which one of the three. One of those three will make it to the semifinal of the World Cup 2026. Is it U.S.? Is it Mexico? Is it Canada? I don't know, but I'm telling you, the pipeline of young Canadians that are coming up through Canada, I know that the U.S. has a number of them as well. I think Mexico actually might be hurting in that area. I could be wrong, but you know, we know the story of Flores, a Mexican-Canadian young man, um, calling him up. Uh, you know, I think that they might be looking at these next years with that World Cup coming up to really start to restock. But I think that the world needs to be ready that one of these CONCACAF nations is going to do something special. And I agree with you there, and I cannot wait to see what's going to happen. Well, Anthony, I know that you have a big group. Canada has a big group, obviously, for uh, CONCACAF, excuse me, uh, World Cup qualification. And uh, so let's see here. You're facing against Belgium. You're facing off against uh, Morocco, Croatia in Group F. I know they're saying they're not uh, going to be happy just to be there, that they're looking to get out of the group. You're that confident? You feel they're going to do it? Yeah, I, I think we'll get out of the group. I think the most important game will be the first game. If we can come away with a draw after the first game against Belgium, watch out. Anything's possible then because you've taken care of the giant of the group, Belgium. Forget the Euro. We saw they crashed against Italy, but they still have all those big-time pieces that play in Europe. And they're getting up there in age. They're big-time pieces like Lukaku and De Bruyne and others that this might be the time that they get it once and for all going. And if that's the case, well, that's problems for Canada. But if they come away with a draw, if we come away with a draw against Belgium, watch out. Then they'll be stoked and ready to go up against Croatia, who we know is getting up there in years with a lot of their players. And then the pressure might be on Croatia to come away with an important uh, win. And if they don't get that, and the last game against is against Morocco, hey, <laughs> Are you going to bet against Davies, Jonathan David, uh, Steven Estacchio, etc.? I'm not, not because I'm Canadian, but I'll take that. So, again, people think that's a crazy assumption on my end, thinking Canada will get out of the group. No problem. People thought Canada wasn't going to get to the World Cup. No problem, right? Um, mm-hmm. The pressure is going to be on Belgium, the first game, not on Canada. Canada, everyone's expecting you know us to... To, to get uh, you know our, our lunch handed to us in that first game, and that's great. The underdog mentality, and and once the world sees the young players that Canada has, I said this to many many people, and the scouting work I'm still doing as of today, and still will continue to do. We will have people from all over the world flocking to come to Canada to say, "All right, what's in the air here? What do you guys put in your coffee? What's the secret sauce?" And they will start seeing some of these wonderful youth clubs and academies. And, and the work that the, uh, these young Canadian coaches have done. And I'll say something about the young American coaches too. And I've said this for the longest time. 
I am sick and tired of, of young American coaches, young Canadian coaches, getting disrespected worldwide, not being trusted, not being given the opportunity, not being even given a, an interview in some big-time uh, you know, uh, positions that come available all over. They're laughed at, they're mocked at, they're, 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 they're basically saying, you know, get away. You're an American, you're a Canadian, you have no idea how to coach a, a squad. Thank goodness for Jesse Marsh. But there's other guys like Jesse Marsh in the U.S. and in Canada that should be given opportunities. And so this is why I'm hoping the U.S. and Canada go as far as they can possibly go. Not just for the players, but Daniel, we have to understand that the coaches in both of these countries have never, ever been given the the respect that they deserve. There are many good students of the game in the U.S. of A. I'm thinking of states like California, New York, Illinois, Florida, Washington State. There are very, very good coaches in the U.S. In Canada, I could name 15 to 20 just in Ontario alone. If I go to Quebec and B.C., I can name you another 10 each in that province that should easily, easily be given an opportunity. I'm not saying to go coach a Man United or, or you know, some of the bigger squads, but some of the second-tier squads in second divisions, and start from there. Absolutely. Got to do, you got to go for those clubs in the lower levels, and then hopefully you can move on up and uh, see if you do qualify and uh, promote yourselves to the Premier League. That'd be great. Before I even let you go here, I want to ask you, uh, 1986, obviously it was three and out for Canada, didn't score a goal, but... What was that like to see Canada for the first time being in the World Cup, and then it took the 36 years to finally get back to a World Cup? What was that like back in 1986? Amazing. It was absolutely amazing. I will never forget. I will take this to my grave, Daniel. And you bringing that up again gets me emotional. I'll never forget Ian Bridge for Canada. Inches over the bar against the world-famous France team in the opening stages games. Literally inches to get that goal for Canada. It was surreal watching Canada play in that World Cup. It, I got to be honest, I took it for granted. I thought we'd be back in 90. thought we'd be back in 94. And, and, and it never happened. And so watching that, thinking of Ian Bridge, Tino Letieri, uh, the goalkeeper that was five foot eight, I believe five foot seven. And he used to have a little, a little stuffed parrot a uh, uh, little toy there, and he put it in the back of his net as, as uh, you know, as a lucky uh, charm that he had with him. I, I, you know, all the stories. Randy Reagan, an unbelievable player in the North American Soccer League, then played for Canada. I mean, a memory. Uh, those memories mean a lot to me. They're very near and dear to me. Like, I, I travel all over the country of Canada, and when I talk to young men and, and, and the young girls and I talk about Canada, now it's the fashion thing to do. And Daniel, because everyone wants to jump on the bandwagon. But I remind them of 86, and I remind them of that team that left blood, sweat, and tears for the country. And, and some of the memories that started it and that were made there. Bruce Wilson uh, as the captain. So, yeah, amazing memories, Daniel. Memories that I would take to my grave. Uh, my sons know that when I uh, go and I want to be buried six feet under in that coffin, I want a picture of this World Cup team. Uh, that just uh, uh, qualified, but I want one of the 86 because the 86 was the first time I watched the country of my birth get to the World Cup. So that's what it means mm-hmm. to me. 
Absolutely, and uh, I hope you're going to enjoy uh, the World Cup this upcoming winter, uh, especially over in Qatar. And let's see what Canada can do and get themselves out of that group if they're able to. Anthony, thank you for your time. I really do appreciate it. Good luck with your future endeavors, and hope to have you back on the show as soon as possible. You take care and have a good night. Thanks, Daniel. You're a class act. Keep up the great work, what you're doing down south. Take care, buddy. All right, thank you. That's Anthony Totera. And uh, that man is Canadian through and through, obviously. And hopefully uh, he can uh, go ahead and uh, enjoy this World Cup this upcoming winter. It will be on Fox Sports. So go and check out Fox Sports or Fox Sports 1 uh, whenever the matches are being played. The best thing about, which I've just found out actually, uh, for this World Cup is the United States games are going to be at 2 o'clock Eastern. That would be like around 10 o'clock at night uh, in the Qatari time. So, of course, I have those uh, that world clock program in my uh, phone. So hopefully uh, we can go ahead and and you'll see the difference of the time. But at least we will be able to watch our USA games at 2 o'clock at a reasonable hour. So we'll have definitely uh, World Cup. Uh, post-game shows here with the USA, and of course we'll have to wait for that uh, big moment with uh, the European uh, playoff that has to get done either between Wales, Scotland, or Ukraine, so we'll have to wait for that one when it comes in about a month or so. Uh, Let's see if we have our friend here up, uh, Dwayne Rollins, 24th Minute Blog, Sports Podcasting Network, and part of the Soccer Today show with Kevin Laramie. Dwayne, are you there? And it looks like Dwayne is not there. Dwayne, are you there? One more time. I guess he's probably busy right now. So, well, I know he's said that he's had like a softball game going on. So, uh, unfortunately, we'll probably not get to him. And we'll try one more time uh, before uh, we say goodbye. But obviously for Canada, look... For some nations, they've never been. For other nations, they haven't been there in a very, very long time, and that's Canada. And finally, Canada gets their due, and they're on their way to the World Cup, along with the USA and Mexico. Costa Rica, of course, uh, playing in the international playoff against the... uh, trying to remember who they're facing off against. I think they're facing off against New Zealand. So we'll just have to see what's going to happen there. And we will see how that will happen as I take a look real quick. Yep, New Zealand will be taking on Costa Rica in the other international playoffs as we await the uh, third place match between the two Asian sides as they take on. The winner will take on Peru. And then once again, uh, waiting for the playoff. And all depends on if Ukraine will play. We don't know if Ukraine will even feel the team after what's been going on internationally with that war with Russia that Putin started. But, you know, once again, uh, we're just going to have to wait and see what's going to happen because if Ukraine can't get a feel the a national team to play against either Wales or Scotland, then obviously there's a big problem, and that means probably they're going to have to take themselves out 
of the international playoff, and there'll be a battle between Wales and Scotland, and we'll see if the U.S., uh, who will be their first opponent in, uh, world, in the World Cup group stage. So we'll see what happens there. But once again, very, very happy to uh, see Canada get to the World Cup. Um, as we move on now to what happened uh, last Wednesday at the Lumen Field for the second leg of the CONCACAF Champions League, but once again, the entire finals, to finally see an MLS club get to the finals and winning it, raising the trophy high at a near capacity 67,000 plus 68,000 plus at Lumen Field filled with Seattle supporters, Seattle Sounders fans. That was unbelievable. That was amazing to watch and so happy for so many people that I am familiar with from Seattle obviously on the show Dave Clark uh, Jeremiah Ocean from Sounder at Heart of SB Nation, from The Athletic, Mickey Turner, uh, Duffy Alverson, who helps out with the Yellow Card podcast, to say this, to see what the Sounders have done in this tournament. And, you know, once again, it's all just knockout stage games. That's all they are knockout stage games. We don't have a group stage anymore. I don't think we'll ever get group stage matches again. I wish we did. I think we'll make it a little bit more, the journey to make it a little bit more better, a little more sweeter, but I don't think it's going to happen. I I just think they're going to keep everything as knockout stages. But once again, to see the Seattle Sounders team, we all know how good they are at home. We all know how Definitely good their home because they will, uh, you know, with that crowd, every home match, whether it be in Lumen Field and MLS League play, Starfire Sports Complex, where they train and, of course, have their U.S. Open Cup matches there. That's also uh, a tough place to play, you know, and to go internationally and, and just pull out a result whenever they have to and they were able to. To see the Sounders do what they did was amazing to watch. And even, you know, they've had their their moments falling to these teams, especially even Liga MX. But when you saw them really, really maintain their grip against Pumas, it was amazing to watch. The opening goal late in the first half, two big goals in the second half, and they found a way. They found a way to go out and take that much-needed first-ever Champions League title and brought it home. They brought it home. They were amazing. They were fantastic, and I have to say... It was a joy to watch them win it. It was a joy to watch them show this region, show the world. American soccer, our national team, is that good? Well, now our club teams are going to be good too. And finally, they're going to get to the FIFA Club World Cup. Uh, depending on when that's going to get played, not sure. Uh, we're going to have to wait until FIFA uh, gives us the Dates, because obviously uh, when it's the final match of the World Cup, 
I'm assuming it'll probably be played. I don't know if they're going to play it at the very end of December into January, or it's going to be in next season, next year, maybe January or February. I don't know. We're going to have to wait and see. Uh, But to see what the Seattle Sounders will do in the Club World Cup will be interesting to watch. And hopefully we can get this Club World Cup rotated. And it's going to be, in my opinion, if if it's going to be here in the States, I don't know if it's going to be in the NFL stadiums. I don't know if it's going to be big enough in the MLS stadiums. It would be nice if it was. I mean, obviously, you can have it in Orlando at Explorer Stadium. Or if you want, you can have it in Texas. You have Austin's uh, Q2. You have uh, the the Houston Dynamo Stadium. I know it's no longer BBVA. They changed the name. I have to double-check. You could also have it at FC Dallas Stadium, at Toyota Stadium. Or you can even have it at the USL stadiums like uh, San Antonio FC at their stadium. It's probably also called to, um, you know, it's something to see, and hopefully we can get it here in the States, as I've also hoped we can get under 20 World Cup here in the States, and you can probably have it in one area. And, of course, let's not forget Rio Grande Valley in Edinburgh, uh, Texas. If you can have a... Club World Cup or an under-20 tournament over there, I think that would be fantastic. I think it would be excellent. But we'll have to wait and see what the situation will be. But once again, uh, it's going to be interesting to see. And now we're going to wait and see if the old adage with the arguments of those who have been yelling and screaming about why the Euro clubs are better than MLS clubs. And they, and they are, you know, hand to, hand to fist. They're, you know, obviously the European clubs are so much better. But I remember having the counter argument like one day, one day, I hope that we have Liverpool or Barcelona or Juventus, AC Milan, Bayern Munich, Arsenal, Manchester City, Man United, to a tournament that will have an MLS club in it, and we will see what will happen. We will see if if it's not a friendly to watch for something on the line to finally see an MLS club Take on a European club. And now the Sounders have that opportunity. Once the draw has been done. Once the draw has been done. We can watch. In a knockout stage game. If the Seattle Sounders. Will take on. Either a Cobra Libertadores side or a UEFA Champions League side. And that will be between either Real Madrid or Liverpool in that final. Got to wait and see what's going to happen. Got to wait and see what the situation will be. 
But once again, this is what we've been waiting for. This is what we were hoping to get, and this is what we're hoping to see. Because we hope, we hope that the Sounders will take on a European club. Or even if they take on a South American club, they're still dangerous. They're still good. doesn't matter where they come from, whether it's Brazil, Colombia, or Argentina, or Peru, Ecuador, or Paraguay, or Bolivia. Because any of those clubs in South America are just as good as any of these clubs in Europe. So let's not assume this is a cakewalk. Let the Sounders do what they got to do. And let them show what it means not just to carry the flag of Major League Soccer, but to carry the flag of American Soccer. That's what we need to see. And what does this mean for Major League Soccer now? What does this mean for them to finally break the goose egg? To finally win this this confederational championship in the club stage, in the club level. It's fantastic. It's brilliant. It's wonderful. It is wonderful. It is amazing. And I cannot wait to see what they're going to do. I cannot wait to see what they're going to do. Because if they can go out and win that, that, win that trophy, it's probably the biggest upset in the history of world soccer, world football. It's just amazing to see what they are going to do. Until they get that opportunity, until they until we find out when those dates are, just gonna have to sit back, relax, and take a look. But as of right now, to all Seattle Sounders fans, just enjoy the rest of the regular season and enjoy open cup play. And we'll see what's gonna happen moving along. So it should be exciting and it should be a lot of fun. And we're going to wait and see what's going to happen. Let's move on forward now. Of course, tomorrow and Wednesday, U.S. Open Cup round four, draw, round four proper will get underway. Matches will be played on Tuesday, May the 10th, Wednesday, May 11th. This should be a lot of fun. Um Still debating on doing Open Cup show for this Friday. We'll have to wait and see um, if I'm up to it or not. I may not do one. Not that I'm saying I don't want to do it anymore. Just to say that at the moment, I may not be ready for an Open Cup review show just yet. Still have some other things to take care of uh, before I even make that decision. But for now, I'm going to ease myself back into this. I'm not going to overdo it. So for now, I may just reserve a review show somewhere down the road uh, in the future. Of uh, And when I do, I'll get there and I'll let everybody know. But until then, I may not do an Open Cup review show right away. Just want to let everybody uh, know ahead of time uh, until we get there. So we'll see what happens. Furthermore, 
Um, but I can give you the schedule of the clubs facing each other, obviously, drawn uh, after the third rounders that happen. NYCFC will be hosting Rochester, New York FC from MLS Pro Next. DC United hosting the New York Red Bulls. Nashville SC at their brand new Geodis Field. Geodis Park hosting Atlanta United. The Richmond Kickers hosting Charlotte FC. New England Revolution hosting FC Cincinnati. Detroit City hosting Louisville City. Union Omaha hosting Northern Colorado Hailstorm. Uh, Minnesota United hosting the Colorado Rapids. Sacramento Republic hosting Phoenix Rising. Seattle Sounders hosting San Jose Earthquakes. Angeles FC hosting Portland Timbers. Ca- uh, California United Strikers hosting the LA Galaxy. Houston Dynamo hosting San Antonio FC. Sporting Kansas City hosting FC Dallas. Um, Inter Miami hosting South Georgia Tormenta. And Orlando City hosting the Philadelphia Union. All those games will be on ESPN Plus, as this will be the final year of ESPN Plus producing Open Cup games as everything will be moved next season through uh, Turner Sports, TBS Bleacher Report when it comes to U.S. soccer properties, men's national team, women's national team, and the U.S. Open Cup. And hopefully uh, with Bleacher Report, we won't have to pay for uh, a service to watch these games. We'll have to wait and see what it will be and and how it's going to get done. It should be exciting and it should be a lot of fun, and I cannot wait to see what's going to happen there. But it's going to be exciting. Um, let's try one more time to get uh, Dwayne Rollins on. I want to get his thoughts, of course, uh, with Canada qualifying for the World Cup and see if he is on. Uh, with us, because uh, I would love to get his thoughts. If not, that's okay. Uh, obviously, other things have come up, and who knows? Maybe I'll change the date or the days of the show. We'll have to wait and see. But let's see what happens moving on and moving forward. If we can get Dwayne on and uh, have him talk about Canada being in the World Cup, would love to hear him have his thoughts, of course. Uh, before we say goodbye. And, of course, we'll, before we even do say goodbye, we'll talk about the Red Bulls, of course, and uh, in the Red Bull segment, and then we'll just move on. But um, as of right now, as we do talk about American soccer, it's getting better. It's getting bigger and better. It's getting to be a lot of fun to be an American soccer fan, and I personally cannot wait to see the fruits of our labor finally growing and getting to World Cups, winning international club championships, getting those opportunities, and seeing the American player getting bigger and better. And it uh, looks like we're not going to be able to get Dwayne on tonight. That's okay. Everything's all right. We'll have him on at another time. But it's okay. It's quite all right. No worries whatsoever. Uh, We're going to just move on and uh, finish up here. But 
Um, when it comes to the New York Red Bulls, I can tell you, everybody, the New York Red Bulls, what can you say? They are the road warriors. Five consecutive victories on the road to start the season. Six in all competitions if you count the Open Cup victory at Hartford Athletic. And let's see here. I think we may have a a call here because I really would like to get this going with him. And hopefully we can get him on and uh, move on here and see what's going to happen. Give him one more opportunity. And if not, we'll just continue on with the Red Bulls uh, segment. Definitely. gotta say that for the Red Bulls and we're not able to get him so that's okay Uh, we'll get Dwayne on another time to talk about this or at least talk about uh, Canada uh, somewhere down the line Uh, but anyway as we uh, talk about the Red Bulls the Road Warriors they've been unbelievable since the start of the season uh, on their road schedule Uh, a couple of comeback victories as well, currently on a three-match unbeaten streak with a draw, a win, a draw at home against FC Dallas, uh, a win, a comeback win at Chicago, and then a uh, one-goal draw against Portland. The Red Bulls so far having a bit of a off year to start the season at home at Red Bull Arena. They haven't gotten their first win yet. Hopefully they will. Hopefully they do, as uh, they really need to get. Three points here on the road. Three wins so far. Three draws, I should say, for three points now uh, in five matches. Two losses, of course. But they've been unbeaten and undefeated on the road. So maybe it is fitting that this Open Cup match tomorrow night at Audi Field is in our nation's capital. And, And on the weekend... Back in league action, they'll be taking on the Philadelphia Union down in Subaru Park. So we will be uh, curious and anxious to see what the situation will be. And we'll definitely take a look and see what the Red Bulls can do on that weekend date. Because at the moment, Philadelphia in first place by a point with 19. And the Red Bulls in second place with 18 points. And this is going to be an early season derby match. It's going to be a lot of fun. They haven't won there in a while. So let's see what they can do. If they can break that jinx down in Chester, Pennsylvania at Subaru Park. But I will say this. They're doing very well on the road. They're doing well at home. But I, I once again... The low blocks are stopping them. They're just frustrating the Red Bulls, trying to get the full three points at home. They have converted at least a chance or two. 
but they're having issues at home because of the low block that the visitors are putting on them inside their areas. So at the moment, I still feel the Red Bulls are doing everything the, everything the correct way. It's just they're not converting on their opportunities because of the low block and the frustration that is put into their heads. So hopefully the next home match, which will be in a while, they can finally start doing these opportunities and find a way to get the victories at home and get the three points and move forward. But once again, it's a situation where the Red Bulls have to be calm, cool, and collected and they cannot rush their chances. They cannot rush their shots. And they got to find a way to beat up on the opposition at home. And once they can do that, things will start rolling. But until then, home games, they're not doing so well. But the road games, they're doing excellent. And you just got to go match in, match out, and we'll see what happens. But once again... We'll have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and see and hopefully move. And hopefully uh, find a way to get these things going. So we'll just have to wait and see what the situation will be. But once again, the New York Red Bulls. They're doing everything correctly. And all you can do is see these Red Bulls go out there, play strong, play hard, and have some fun. And try and get three points at home. And then we'll see if they can get three points on the road and move on to the fifth round of the U.S. Open Cup. So... And other than that, it should be a lot of fun. It should be exciting. And other than that, I think that is all uh, for tonight. I want to thank my guest, Anthony Totera, to talk about Canada qualifying for the World Cup and, of course, other things going on with Canada as well. And it should be a lot of fun. And having just conquer calf talk and the American soccer talk as well. So that was just great to have. So I want to thank him for joining me tonight. And uh, I am back. Join me next week for more American soccer talk and other rewind shows that I missed through my rehab that I wasn't able to get to, uh, not being able to do a show uh, at all. Didn't have any uh, computers or laptop. So other than that, thank you everyone for listening to me tonight. I am back ready to go, and I'm going to ease myself in to doing more shows, uh, you know, more of a workload somewhere down the line, not right away, but somewhere down the line. Thank you for listening to me tonight, and as always, please enjoy your football. Thank you. Have a good night. Take care. So long, and have a good night, everybody. So long from here, the Four Scenes Fire, American Soccer Show.